A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. And today, we are answering your burning movie questions, and I have my wife here, Kelsey. How are you? So weird hearing First time ever. Full transparency, we were actually recording this before our wedding, so if we don't talk about it at all, that's why. Had a busy week, but we're going to get into these questions. We'll do a movie review later and some movie news. Without any further ado, let's just get started with this week. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Hello, wife. How are you? You're just going to say that as many times. It's just fun to try out. It's weird to get to used to saying that word, and it's going to take me a while. It took me a while to start calling you my fiance. It did take you a while. I would say girlfriend. Nope. Fiance. Now it's going to be like wife. It sounds very adult. Husband. Oh, dude. Yeah, they both sound. It just sounds like we. I don't know. Like we're grown-ups or something? Like we're grown-ups or something. My wife. It makes everything sound a lot more like, you can't say that to my wife <laughs> than just my girlfriend or fiance. It makes it sound very official. Like, but, like legally bound. Legally bound now. But we are here today to answer everybody's burning movie questions that people send in on Instagram. They tweeted in and commented on Facebook. So I pulled a bunch of these. Kelsey will read the question and I will answer. Hit us with that first burning movie question, please. All right, from Stephanie Hatton on Instagram. What is your favorite full body of work from a director? I think for the longest time recently, it was probably Christopher Nolan, but I feel his last couple movies haven't really done a whole lot for me. I like Dunkirk. It was fine. I never really went back and wanted to watch that movie. And then the last movie he did, I really didn't understand it at all. And I felt like he got way too into like, his whole methodology behind a movie and that movie was kind of him like being like look i can put any movie we're talking about tenant right tenant yes and 
I didn't really like that one a whole lot. I think if you're watching a movie and at any point you can't explain the plot or you watch the entire movie and you still can't explain it, I don't think it was that great. So he was my go-to for a while, but I think if I'm looking at an entire body of work, like the OG, I would probably go Martin Scorsese. Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies of all time. And he's really been putting out constantly good movies, like from Goodfellas to more recently, The Wolf of Wall Street and The Irishman, which you okay, didn't like. Okay, let's talk about The Irishman. We watched that on Christmas Day it's a couple a years ago. It's a Christmas movie. There's Christmas in it. There's also one profane word just said <laughs> over and over and but over that's how for they three talk. hours. They're, they're gangsters. That's how they speak. It was a terrible Christmas movie. Well, you, I, you, like, you botched that one. And I think Martin Scorsese is a director that no matter what he puts out, I'm going to watch. And it's going to be... At the very least, entertaining, even though if it's not something I completely love, I know I'm going into watching a good movie. And who knows how many good movies he has left to, to be made. He's an older guy. It's depressing. It is a little bit depressing. But when you think about that, like of all the directors who have been around the longest, who knows how many more movies he's going to put out. So I would probably go with Martin Scorsese as the safe bet. And I think also for the longest time, it was Quentin Tarantino. But I feel like that's a little bit basic. I feel like that's every guy it's like who doesn't really know a whole lot about movies. Like, oh, yeah, my favorite is Quentin Tarantino. He does great movies. I just don't think they're my favorite. But aside from him, I would probably put John Favreau, who did Iron Man 1 and 2. He did Elf. He also did a movie called Chef that I really liked. And aside from movies, he also did The Mandalorian. So I think he's very underrated. And he's in iron man yeah Avengers he, that, right? he's happy okay that's what i thought i was like is that the same person yeah and he's also like in friends he does a lot of stuff great show but he did swingers so he he's not only as an actor but as a director has done some really great work i think he's underrated but if i had to go like a super og director if i could only watch their body of work i would go with the classic steven spielberg excellent choice i mean indiana jones jurassic park hook and then even more recently ready player one like he is like the director. Like, there's a reason why when somebody's up and coming, they're like, oh, you're being the next Spielberg. Who but, was it that did Titanic? Wait, don't tell me. I know it. I know okay, it. can you guess it? Is it James Cameron? It is James Cameron. Yes. What's I, my prize? Um, you get to answer the, in the next question. Okay. All right. But anyway, James Cameron, I think he's overrated. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, Spielberg didn't do Titanic. He's a very big cinematic director with Titanic and Avatar. Oh, yeah, he did Avatar. But I have no desire to watch the Avatar sequels. And blah, blah, blah. I could do without James Cameron. Have I told this? I think I've told the story in here about how I went on a cruise one time and they only played Avatar for like 24 hours. Yeah, that sounds terrible. There's nothing about that story. No. All right. Hit us with that next question. This one is from my girl, Caitlin Parker. She asked, which Mary Kate and Ashley movie is your favorite? I love their SeaWorld Adventure one. That's a great question and a great choice. I'll let you go first on this one. I think you're a bigger Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen fan than I am. Loved Mary Kate and Ashley. Um, Mine would be Our Lips Are Sealed, where they're in the Witness Protection Program. And the clothes are just great in that movie just a fun one i think mine along the same lines of caitlin's pick was from the vhs days but it was probably mystery cruise and i think it's because i remember my elementary school music teacher would always play the mary kate and ashley olsen movies for some reason when we weren't losing learning music she wanted us to learn about mary kate and ashley olsen and i remember it being like the first thing i saw them that wasn't full house and it's like them on a mystery cruise and they had a really successful career putting out these VHS movies. And I think a lot of people forget that about them. But aside from that, what's your other favorite Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie? 
Um, probably Holiday in the Sun. Oh, that's a good one. What about New York Minute? I remember that one. Yeah, that was kind of when their career started to go a little down. That was like on the edge of them. Teetered kind of. on the brink of their extinction from Hollywood. I think an underrated project of theirs was actually a TV show called Two of a Kind. Excellent. An TV excellent show. sitcom. I think I of all the seasons it got, I probably watch every single episode of that. It's a great one. So that is an underrated TV show. But I'm also jealous. I just have to say that you got to watch Mary Kate and Ashley movies in school. When I was in elementary school, I went to a private school, so we watched Veggie Tales. Oh yeah, which is why to this day I can still sing the Veggie Tales theme song. Would you like to give us a few bars of that? I don't think I would. Okay, I don't think I would. Hit us with that next question. All right, this is from Cassidy on Facebook. What is one movie that you hope your future kids will love? I think the first one for me is our family tradition now is every Christmas or Christmas Eve we watch Christmas Eve on Sesame Street which is a classic and I think that's become such a special moment really our only tradition that we have in our family is that when we open gifts we watch that movie and I hope that Sesame Street is still around and cool when we have kids and I hope that they enjoy that movie for that same reason. I feel like Sesame Street has some longevity because my mom watched Sesame Street when she was a kid. And it's, then I loved it. My younger brothers loved it. In fact, my mom, we didn't get to go home for Christmas this past year. So it's still waiting for us. But my mom bought the Sesame Street Lego set for us all to put together. Yeah, it's been around forever. But you just never know. What if they decide like, OK, we're going to stop making new Sesame Street or it just goes away. I get really sad at the thought of that. I do too, but I'm just hoping that it's still around. We actually watched a Sesame Street special last summer. Yeah, and it was great. It was super informative. Still as an adult, I watched Sesame Street and learned things. It so. was like 9 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> we watched a Sesame Street. So I hope that it's still cool when we have kids. Aside from that movie, I would probably say Toy Story for the same reason that when I was a kid, I really wanted a toy Woody and a toy Buzz Lightyear. And I hope that those movies are still around so we could get that for our kids, mainly so I can play with it as well. Sounds about right. Let's be real here. And then also probably Twister, which is mm. one of our favorite movies. We're going to have to wait till they're a little older, because if our children are anything like us, they're going to have anxiety. And like, we really don't need to introduce Twister early. Yeah. I mean, I'm still scared of like tornadoes and severe weather are still like my biggest causes of anxiety. OK, I remember one time where there was literally the tornado siren going off and you were on your porch like taking Instagram stories. And I texted you and I was like, are you an idiot? Get inside of your house. But I also have like this knowing that everything's probably going to be okay mentality too when it comes to weather so that is why i do things like that okay but okay we can wait till they're older for that I, that's another question we got a lot about <laughs> i was like when are you guys gonna have kids oh people are already asking that yeah i've heard that from a lot of people talking about us getting married like oh the kids are soon after there's no good time to wait or whatever there's never the right time i, I don't think you ask somebody that when they're about to get married you don't ask people that let us enjoy the the wedding and all that stuff. First. I just finished school. <laughs> we Let got me some, work for a while, please. We got some things we want to do. So that is, I would say, not in our immediate plan if people are wondering. Yeah, just answer that now. There you go. We're not having kids anytime soon. All right, hit us with that next question, please. Audra on Facebook said, what m movie makes you get up and move or think and or want to change something about yourself? I think most recently when we watched The Blind Side and we also watched Friday Night Lights, it made me want to play football <laughs> and it made me want to be more athletic. And I never was never like that growing up. I didn't play any kind of sports. I wanted to play, I think, soccer growing up. And then 
I wanted to play football because my older brother played football all through high school, all through junior high. And then my parents never let me play, not because they didn't think that I could do it or they were worried about me getting hurt, but they thought I couldn't handle the thought of losing. They thought that it would be too much for me. And that also I had a real big problem growing up of like, not reacting well when I didn't get my way. So they're also accident prone as a kid. So that too, probably a good thing. Yeah. I have multiple injuries on my body from when I was a kid from, I was very adventurous and I would get into trouble and get into things I wasn't supposed to. So that's how I wound up with a black widow bite on my hand and now have a scar. That's also how I have a scar on the back of my head where I fell off like this little power surge thing in the trailer park and landed right on the back of my head and cracked my head open i also fell in first grade i tripped over a chair and landed on like the side of a concrete wall and it busted my head wide open and my mom had to come get me and get stitches at so the you hospital busted your head open several times several times this explains a lot and then once i got into i think like sixth grade i started skateboarding and our idea was to ride down a giant hill but i rode down on my stomach wearing a sweater and the sleeve of the sweater got caught in the skateboard wheel twisted around and my hand just drug on the concrete on the road and then i still have like a lingering little circle scar on my hand from that all right so if anyone is still listening after that that is my injury list from when i was a kid so yeah that's probably why okay so you want you want to play football? I'm tying that back. Yes. I'm bringing us back around. Ba- back to why I probably wouldn't have been good at football. I would have gotten injured. The ball probably would have hit me in the face. I would have broke my glasses or something. I that was the, I played softball for a couple of years, and that was the only time I ever got on base was when the ball hit me. <laughs> you got one. <laughs> I once got hit so hard that later that night the um, imprint of the stitches on the ball were still on my stomach. Like it hit me so hard that the stitches imprinted. Just Rawlings on your side. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, hit us with that next question. Wait, I didn't get to say what movie made me want to do something. Oh, what do you have? Um, the movie Step Up made me want to be a professional dancer. It also made me want to marry Channing Tatum. Neither of those happened. Did you even try to dance after that? Did you, like, get a class? Okay, so this is... I'm going to tell a really embarrassing story here. Go for it. So I danced when I was a kid, like, just, like, basic, like, tap, ballet, hip-hop. You love... There's a picture of me. Oh, yes, the picture in a hip hop costume in my house that I tried to get my mother to burn and she didn't, she put it on display for you to see. Anyways, I loved to dance when I was younger. I quit. And then in high school, I decided that I was going to try to dance again. So I think I took it up in like the 11th grade and they put me in the beginner's ballet class, which was like eighth graders. Keep in mind, I'm 17 and I'm in a class with eighth graders (laughs) and they were all so much better than me. And the teacher was really mean to me and I quit. You didn't make it past that. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we should enroll you in a class now. I mean, It'd be fun to do it now. I'm more confident. I think you should go for it. Okay. Am I taking a dance class? Taking a dance class. All right. You heard it here, everyone. All right. Hit us with that next question. David Rainwater on Facebook. Really cool last name. Don't know if that's real. How much did the pile of fake money that was burned in the dark night actually cost versus how much it was allegedly worth? All right. So to answer this, I had to look up some things. And I think you have to start with how much it was actually worth and break it down to how much it cost to create that scene. So in the movie, I believe his cut would have been $43 million. And if you remember in the movie, he says he's only burning his half. But what actually you don't see is that his half 
is combined with everybody else's money. So the whole stack is actually $86 million. So if you look up how much it costs to just get a stack of fake money, it's $49 for a stack that represents $10,000. So if you break that down, $49 a stack, it cost $421,000. It's a lot of money. And that is movie math. I actually busted out a calculator for that question. You also asked me for help. I did ask you for help. <laughs> You're great at math in those situations. I am pretty good at math. I will say that. What is the next question? All right. Josh Miley asked, what terrible movie would you love to see remade? What would you change to possibly make it better the second time around? I think the Super Mario Brothers movie. The first one is a really bad good movie in that it's so bad i actually enjoyed it but for how big super mario was at the time and how anticipated that was to see like all the mario characters of that entire world come together it was a total flop and i think now what we've seen with movies like sonic the hedgehog there's actually like a pretty good possibility they could remake this now and have it have that same kind of thing that we loved about the video game but actually make it a good movie too. So I think that movie never really had a chance when it was getting made, but if they made it now, they would have the ability and the technology to make it look cool and also could recreate that story and not make the same mistakes when they made the original one. So that's what I would say. All right, let's do one more movie question. Okay, this is from Jackson Cochran on Instagram. What's your favorite musical? I don't like musicals. Do you like musicals? I like High School Musical. Okay, so that would be your favorite. <laughs> you love that movie, don't you? All the songs? Yeah, I was like 12 when it came out. Who didn't love that movie at 12? I don't think I ever really watched it. And I heard you singing one of the songs from it the other day and dancing to it. And okay, I was like... No, you had the song on. You were using it for something. And I started okay. doing the dance. I didn't just break out into we're all in this together by myself. My memory has failed me. Yes, it was Amy from the Bobby Bone Show's daughter was in a, a play of High School Musical and she wanted to use one of the songs on the radio show. So I was finding that song and you heard it and automatically knew all the words to it and was able to dance to it. Yeah, it, anyone listening, if you watched High School Musical, you know the dance to We're All In This Together. I had never heard that song and I was like, you are aware of this song and know the words? So, okay, so that's your favorite. I don't really like musicals. I think most recently, the only one I really liked was La La Land. And probably the Hugh Jackman movie. The Greatest Showman? Yeah. I think that one was good. But aside from that, I would go with the School of Rock. It's not a full-on musical, but I think if you pull that movie apart, it has original songs, and it's been turned into a musical. So I think that one would be my favorite. And at the time when that one came out, I was early teenage years, really wanting to be in a band and watching that movie kind of inspired me to see kids playing instruments at the top level. I thought Jack, Jack Black was hilarious, and that whole movie, I felt like, had kind of a cult following even now. And it was sad when, most recently, the kid who played Freddy died, the drummer, in a crazy accident. So I think that movie still kind of has a lot of impact on people's lives now. And I would almost like to see maybe just like a reunion, not a remake of it, not a sequel to it, but like all the remaining people from that movie get together and do kind of a reunion. So that is my favorite musical. And that has been our burning movie questions. We're actually going to come back and do some random questions that we got about our personal lives. Is that cool with you? Sounds good. All right, we'll do that after this. 
Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now we have some random questions that we're sending as well. I think they're a little more personal, so I wanted to kind of break away from the movie questions and get into some of these, and we will answer them to the best of our abilities. What is the first question? Um, I'm actually going to start with this one because it makes me laugh. Maybe baby 815 on Instagram asked toilet paper over or under. I think I saw a meme that I've been following now when it comes to this debate. And it was like beards are cool and mullets are not. So that means that if you put the toilet paper facing forward like a beard, like a beard, 
that's the correct way to do it. And if you put it on the back like a mullet, that is the incorrect way. And every time I've put a roll of toilet paper on now, that is what I've been following. Okay, but to break it down into regular people, toilet paper speak, a beard would be over. Yes. And a mullet is under. Yes. So I will go over. I'm going to throw you under the bus, though, because you don't actually really pay attention when you're putting the toilet paper back on. Have you noticed recently I have? Every single time now, I've been following I think following I've changed that. it fairly recently as well. I don't I don't think you're great at changing it. Mm, I would beg to differ on that. I feel like since... Okay, how many times have you almost run out of toilet paper in there and I've had to be like, hey, remember, that's your last roll in your bathroom? Many a times. That's what I thought. Yes, but still, I will go over. Okay, that's the correct answer. Is it the correct answer? Yes. Under is the worst. Why do people do that? I don't know. Go under, I don't know, maybe people like it. Very passionate about that. All right, what's the next one? This is from Angie Heath. She said, how did you and Kelsey meet, and was it love at first sight for both of you, or did it take some time? Let's let you start on this one. Okay, well, how we met was Bumble. That's an easy one. Yeah, we met on a dating app. Pretty easy. It was the app where you had to message me first after we matched. We were long distance, though, so you happened to be in Austin. Yeah. swiped. And I don't know if we've ever revealed this, but you actually swiped against me before no, you're telling that story yes it's an important story because now we are married and we can tell that story okay, fine yes i did swipe left because i was like you don't live here mm-hmm. i was like i'm gonna find someone that lives here and then i went on some dates with people who lived there and i was like nope we're broadening our horizons mm-hmm. and so then the next time you po- popped back up on there which doesn't happen often so i no. have to say that that was a sign it was a sign and i was like you know what i'm just gonna swipe right we could go on a date a fun story if it doesn't work out and here we are so the love at first sight part how do you feel about that i don't really i don't think i really believe in love at first sight i don't either because what are you basing that on physical attraction only yeah that's that's a (laughs) that's just a recipe for disaster yeah it's just straight up like oh this person is attractive i am in love with them it's very superficial which some people say it works for them great Yeah, I think it has to be followed by maybe you feel that love at first sight kind of rush through your body. And then there has to be a little bit something else that you can combine with like a personality trait or you hit it off in some kind of way. And then you go back to that feeling like, yeah, I knew it right when I met them. But aside from that, I I think it's something, at least with us, we built on. Yeah, I would say because even the first few dates, you're just like, do we have things in common? Mm-hmm. And then comes the navigating long distance. Yeah. So I feel like for us, it took a little bit. Like I definitely liked you and was interested. Same. But like love didn't come till later. Yeah, I would agree. And it's also weird to think of how long distance was a really big part of our early relationships. I mean, that was the majority of our relationship. Yeah. We've been together three years now and we were long distance for two. Yeah. And but I think in the last year, we've grown so much. Yeah, because we're together all the time. Together all the time. <laughs> all the we time. Ha- haven't really been able to go anywhere until recently. And we learned so much about each other living with somebody, really living with anybody for the first time. Yeah, I'd had, I had a roommate. I had a roommate a few years in college, but then after I graduated, I lived on my own. So it was definitely an adjustment. I'd never lived with a boy, well, aside from my brothers. But. <laughs> and I think it was what we learned about ourselves in our relationship during that time it made almost like the long distance years feel like they were so long ago but yeah i think 
our first date, I definitely felt something immediately. What, anger because I was two minutes late? You were two minutes late. I was finding parking. Not all of us Ubered. (laughs) But I knew there was something different about you after that first date. And then later through all our other dates and spending more time together, I realized that, yeah, that I was in love with you. You also had the unfair advantage in that I did 99% of the talking on the first date. So you knew everything about me and I knew that like, I don't know, you liked Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls and called your mom on the way home from work. Like that was, I think that was what I took away. That is also true. That is a thing that other people wonder is I am so quiet that do I talk more at home? You talk, you're just, you're weirder at home. I'm very weirder. And I think it's because I found very you. Very weirder, I'm much very, weirder. I'm much weirder. And I think it's because I found you and I can truly be myself around you. <laughs> Which is that I have, weird. I have no guard around you. And I think you're the only person who's ever told me to be quiet, ever, which I I like. When did I tell you to be quiet? I don't know. Sometimes when I, it's only around you that I would ever talk too much is what I'm trying to say. Sometimes you do talk too much when I'm trying to watch something. There you go. (laughs) You're the only person who's ever shushed me. More people, most people are like, hey, talk more, say more things. I mean, sometimes I do have to say that as well. Like sometimes I'll ask you a question and you just stare at me and I'm like, do you have a response? It's how a conversation goes. Yes. You, this is where you would say something back. True. I have to work on that as well. I'm just a very, like I think in my brain and when I think the thought, I think the other person has heard it, but then I realize I have to vocalize it. It's the thing about me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not telepathic. I'm learning to do that. All right. What's another question we have here? Okay, from Tanya on Facebook, I know you love music and more specifically punk bands and you and your brother were in a band together. If you did not join the Bobby Bones show, would you have pursued a music career or did you have another passion you would have pursued? Yeah, I think this question popped up because last week on the Bobby Bones show, we talked about a new story where a punk band was offering a big discount for people who are vaccinated and charging $1,000 for tickets for people who are not vaccinated. And that band happened to be Teenage Bottle Rocket, who my brother is actually their tour manager. And then we were talking about kind of our history together of being in bands. And that's really kind of what I wanted to do for a while. Like I was in a band all through high school. And then I moved from my hometown of Waxahachie, Texas to Austin, Texas to actually be in a punk band with my brother. He was playing drums. I was the lead singer and I played guitar and we toured around Texas pretty hardcore for maybe three or four years. And that was kind of what we wanted to do. And I was going to college and interning actually on the Bobby Bone Show during that time. And I was going from playing shows way late at night, not getting done until like one, two in the morning, and then turning over and going to do my internship starting at like four or 5 a.m. And then I kind of realized like one would have to go away for the other to happen. And although I was really passionate about music and wanted to do that, I love writing songs. I love performing live. I just knew that maybe in the long run, radio would have a little bit more for me in terms of building a career and doing something that I'd be more fulfilled by. So I decided to stop doing the band thing and kind of focus full on on doing radio. And then not too long after that, started doing a podcast and then ended up moving to Nashville. But I think that's what I really wanted to do for a long time. I still play guitar every now and then, but it's it's not really that big of a part of me anymore. All right. So that has been the questions for this week. Um, I enjoy doing this. You like answering questions? I do like answering questions. I think we'll come back. I have a movie review coming up and then we'll do a little bit of movie news. All right. All right. Bean Dad, The Dress. 
30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into a movie review now, talking about the movie Those Who Wish Me Dead, available on HBO Max and also in theaters. It stars Angelina Jolie and John Berthnall who you may remember from The Walking Dead, also been in a bunch of other movies. But before we get into this review, here's just a little bit of the trailer. My dad said, if anything happened, I should find someone I can trust. Are you someone I can trust? Those men, they came for your father. Did you see their faces? That's them. 
cut you down. So what this movie is about, again, we do spoiler-free reviews here. It's about this teenage kid whose dad is murdered. And now he is being chased by these two assassins. He goes into this forest and he is trying to escape them. That whole storyline is going on. But then Angelina Jolie's character comes in who is a smoke jumper working in these woods to where basically they sit up on this big watchtower and watch out for any kind of wildfires that spark out and go and are the first responders in that situation. So it's these two kind of plot lines of these stories coming together. And overall, it is a very muddied plot line, I feel like, because you have Angelina Jolie's character story going on. You also have the side story of this cop with a pregnant wife going on, how all their worlds kind of get intertwined in this big chase and fire going on now in the forest. I overall just felt not so much confused that I didn't know what was happening. I just felt like I didn't know what to focus my attention on, like whose story was I really focused on following through, like who was I really rooting for in this movie? At the end of it, I was like, I don't know, like the assassins, I don't really care at this point. So maybe like the first 15, 20 minutes, I felt like this movie had some promise. The overall plot line was a little bit interesting of what they are trying to hide and you're kind of wanting to know the story, what's going on here. But as it goes further and further, you realize it's just kind of a chasing movie to where you don't really care what happens, to be honest. And not only that, when you have all these great actors coming together in this movie, you have Angelina Jolie, who got paid a lot of money for this movie because she really doesn't even make movies a whole lot anymore. I think at one point she was doing one major movie a year and since then hasn't really been at that level of putting out movies. And I thought when I watched this trailer, I was going to see something that maybe she really kind of shined in. And I don't think I got that in this movie. I didn't really feel like she was really her character. I didn't find her very believable. She's still the very attractive Angelina Jolie and I don't really think it fit this character. I don't think she knew who she was in this movie. I don't think she believed it, and it didn't make me believe it. It didn't make me invested at all. So I was kind of out on those fronts, and I just felt like the whole plot line was a little bit muddied and overall kind of boring. It almost felt like a Saturday matinee on a random TV channel, like over the antenna would just be on randomly in the afternoon, and you would kind of watch because there was nothing else on TV to watch. It felt like one of those kind of movies to me. And by the end of it, didn't feel any kind of satisfied in what happened. It was very predictable. And I felt like there was nothing that made this movie kind of its own. It's basically a cat and mouse movie. Bad guy here trying to take away and hurt. Good guy comes in and tries to save the kid. And then you take that same plot that's been done time after time again and add fire to it. You put it in a forest and add fire and try to make that a whole element to where they're fighting the fire too. So really, that's the entire movie. I wanted to see more of kind of the survival tactics that she knew from her job, the more kind of backstory about why she is the way she is in this movie, and I didn't get that. So I would say totally skip this movie, especially if you're wanting to go see it in theaters. I don't think it's worth it, and maybe later on, I think they're about to take it off HBO Max, but I don't even think you really need to spend the time to watch it there, unless you're like a diehard Angelina Jolie fan. And even then, I would say hold off on this one and wait till she's in the eternal. So if I had to rate this movie, I would give it 1.5 out of 5 forest fires. Not worth the time. Was expecting a lot more and didn't really get it. So that's what I think about that one. All right, let's get into some movie news now. So Taylor Swift is heading back to the big screen 
She's supposedly bouncing back after Cats and is doing this new movie that has a working title of Canterbury Glass. It also stars Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, Rami Malek, Anya Taylor-Joy, and it's described as a Depression-era period drama. How do you feel about Taylor Swift as an actress? She hasn't really had, I wouldn't say, any success in it so far. I'm going to give her another chance. You think one last chance? She hasn't really had like a full-on acting role, I feel. Yeah. To where it's like, okay, I'll this, watch it. this is Taylor like starring in a movie. She's kind of had, I would say, glorified cameos. I feel like she's gotten a lot more creative in the past year, though, like with writing Evermore and Folklore and just like all the stuff that she did along with that. But I don't know if that translates to her being a good actress. I think it's a little bit a case of like a musician's like, oh, I can do music. Now I want to go be an actor. I mean, people are going to go see it. So putting, yeah. her, putting her name on a movie is going to get them the money they want. It does put butts in the seats. Because Taylor Swift, even though she is not an A-list actress at any in any regard, she's such a big musician that I think it gets people there. But I would like to see her do a good movie, a good drama. I'd watch it. Also in movie news, Thor Love and Thunder has wrapped filming, and Marvel is one step closer to releasing another Thor movie. I'm just excited for them to have more Marvel movies rolling out one after another after another again, which I think was the norm for a long time. And we haven't had that in forever. I'm still waiting on the Black Widow movie. But I think Thor is probably my second favorite Marvel franchise right below Spider-Man right now. But I think they've found a way to make the Thor movies really fun and Maybe early on, Thor really wasn't that fleshed out of a character, but I think they've made him more comedic. I think visually they look amazing and they do a lot of fun kind of ways they tie in the other Marvel franchises back into Thor. So I'm pretty excited for this one. You like the Thor movies, right? I do like the Thor movies. He's funny. He is funny. I think out of everybody, like on his own, Thor is funny. And I also respect Chris Hemsworth for the like... I feel like another big actor like him could kind of just go into do a Thor movie knowing that he is Thor. He could just show up and kind of give it a run of the motions kind of performance. But I feel like he puts a lot into Thor. He does. Everything from like the acting and also like I saw a picture of him with the director and it's almost unreal how muscular he is. Like his arms are like. It's very intimidating. It's it's kind almost like the rock. He, he is like the rock, maybe not as extreme but he doesn't even look human. He looks like a basically like a like an action figure. And I think that is something to be admired in in film and with an actor who puts that much into their physical appearance into working and looking like that. I mean, I think it's right up on there of like somebody else who gains a bunch of weight or loses a bunch of weight for a movie role. So I think he's underrated in that regard. And then finally in movie news, Seth Rogen's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot gets a premiere date for 2023 and i think this is maybe the last chance i'm going to give the ninja turtles movies Wait, didn't we just have a ninja turtle remake yeah michael bay redid them but he made them big cgi kind so, of seth rogan's doing it too yeah seth rogan is now doing them as well are you tired of the reboots i'm really tired of the reboots i don't mind when it's this big of a franchise when it's literally an iconic character and a a super passionate fan base i think there's a lot of story to be told here and one that really wasn't touched on in, in those last remakes so i think i am all about watching this especially as seth rogan is behind it i mean i'll go see it i'm just like can we come up with something creative everyone i, 
I don't mind like them doing reboots and remakes. I think if you get it done well, that's all that matters. Because if we would have been tired of remakes with like Spider Man, we wouldn't have got to Tom Holland now. Okay, but Spider Man is just great. It's so like are the, the Ninja Turtles. The rule. So are the Ninja Turtles. So I think it's a matter of finding that right kind of mix of having the right people behind it, having the right story. I don't really care how many times it takes. So also like with the Halloween movies now with Danny McBride being behind those, I am all into that kind of reboot. So well, anyway, <laughs> that has been movie news. And for the shout out of this week, I just want to give a shout out to the B team Facebook page. They had a really nice post there last week, complimenting this podcast on like kind of growing a lot in the last year and a half from when it was really just me starting out coming up with random topics and doing entire episodes by myself to having you on as an addition. And then also to now kind of doing more interviews, like having Michael Pena on. And that meant a lot to me to see people commenting and kind of noticing that change. And I think I've been wanting to do more interviews. I never really wanted this podcast to be interview based. I think I wanted at the core of it to kind of be a dive into movies and me be able to share like the knowledge I have about it and my opinions on things. And I never really wanted to have like an interview every week with somebody, but I do like working that in and getting to ask people who actually are in the movies or directing movies and making movies about them. So I have some more people planned down the line. So excited that everybody has been into it. So appreciate everybody for listening every single Monday. Appreciate it for being subscribed. And until next week, I will talk to you then later. I have a thought. I know you've already said later. What? Well, I was going to say, I the other day was cleaning out my email and I found like the original test episode that you ever did, but I think I'm the only other person that's heard it. Oh, yeah. And your podcast has grown I so did, much. Did and that, I've noticed that even. I did an unreleased test episode that never came out. It was a good one. And it will never be released unless yeah. I die. Why do you always <laughs> somehow work that into the conversation? And with that, we'll talk to you next week here on Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. From the newlyweds. Later. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.